You remember, it was a few weeks ago, I was on NPR, and I had an opportunity to be on that show, and it was with um, a round table with an imam, a rabbi, and a Lutheran pastor, and I know that sounds like a joke, I said it before, but, uh, uh, and then myself as the um, evangelical, and, and it was an opportunity to kind of answer the question, how does your faith community interact in these political times? And... Uh, Afterwards, I had an opportunity to speak with a good friend of mine, um, John Orberg, who is in a church in Menlo Park, and um, he is, that church is, is situated in the Stanford community, and so we're talking about some really bright people, and they were all over the board on this whole political thing, and as we were talking, I shared about what was going on, he, he had shared that he's going to be meeting with his elders, and his elders were meeting that Tuesday night, and he said, I may be scrapping my message and writing a whole new message, because we might just give that whole time to respond to that. Well, I listened to it, and I thought, wow, um, how can I just play that for us here? Um, (laughs) But I had given it to our elders, and we all kind of agreed, if you want a great resource, uh, we have in in your weekly, you'll see under resource, there's a place where you can go and listen to that message or you can look at our Facebook page and, and you can see if you scroll down, you'll find at a certain point where that message is. I'd love for you to listen to it because John goes through some, some very good things. He talks about who should be making policy. He, he talks about our emotional reactions in this time and what does it mean to be a disciple. He, he speaks about the, where our hope should be and what our church mission should be about because political power is often about coercive power and, and the church is about changing the power through the heart and the atmosphere of what happens through that. And then... Um, take some time to talk about diversity in political views and how Jesus brought that together. So that's just to kind of whet your appetite. I think it's really good. I think it's really helpful. And I would encourage you to maybe be outfitted. Part of what our job as a church is, is to train you and give you things and resources that can help you in this time. So with that said, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'd like to pray. And I'd like for us again to pray for our nation. I'd like for us to pray for our leaders and, and for our government and, and, and for God in this time to be at work. And I don't know where you're at, but I know that you probably have a prayer and I would ask that you would in your, in, not out loud, but quietly in your heart to God, take just this moment and, and bring that prayer before the Father because I think we're in a critical and a crucial time um, for where God is at work within our entire country. So let's pray. Father, You are the king. You rule over everything. And so we we acknowledge that, and now we come, because you tell us to bring our requests and and to come into your presence with boldness, not because we have anything about ourselves, but because Jesus has made it possible. So we come to you. And in this quiet moment, with our hearts, we turn our prayers to you for our nation. Hear our prayers. Father, I ask most often when I pray that you would, you would through the church, bring about a revival, a, an awakening in our land. For our hope is in you. It's not in any government, not in any person, not in even our laws. Our hope is in you. And so, God, I ask that you would begin to move in our hearts. And, God, as you have told us, we we really are the hope of the world. And we have the ability, through the grace and power of God, to bring you into every situation 
for you to change the atmosphere. May you make us like your son, Jesus. And may you bring heaven to earth using us as your humble, loving, sacrificial servants. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks. Well, we're, we've been doing a series on remember, and this is the last in the series, and it was um, predicated on the fact that uh, one of the elders said to me, you know, it might be good for us just to go over some of the things that we've learned, and so we decided to do that, and we had a series on the gospel where we talked about the good news which Jesus proclaimed. If you want to hear that, you can go back, but he proclaimed the fact that the king is here. That's the good news, and in, with the king coming and setting up this new kingdom, part of that setting up this kingdom is his death that, that frees us and gives us forgiveness. And allows for us to be set free and empowered by God. And then we talked about remembering this truth. With Jesus as king, here's something that we should be. We should be the most joyful people around, right? And I look at your faces and I see joy. Because you can choose joy. Because Jesus is king. And so we talked about that. And then we said this last week, remember that... Your work, whatever you do, when you leave the doors of this church, that's your mission field. And, and many of you spend so many hours at work. Where you work, uh, in many ways, if you could reframe it and, and get a new paradigm shift, you are there as a servant of Jesus, not just employed by a boss. Or you're the boss of it. You're not just the boss. You have a boss in Jesus. And where you work, that is your mission field. So... Today, um, I thought it'd be really important because I think it might be a good end to this. One of the ways that we show not just our life under the king is in joy and recognize we have a mission, but we're called to live generously. We're called to live generously. Now, when I talk about a message in generosity, you know, being generosity, um, you, how many think we're going to be talking about money? Come on, raise your hand, be really honest, be really bold. Good, good, good. Yeah, well, just the last sub-point, okay? Because generosity is a character trait that grows in us. We talk about our mission here. Here's our mission, to help all people take their next step. So part of taking a next step is not getting behind them and pushing them, although you may want to at times, or dragging them. It's getting next to them to know them so that you can understand what is their next step. Because sometimes symptoms of what we think it is may not be what it is. So we get to know them, and as we get to know them, we help lead some people into the first time ever knowing of Jesus. We, we, we want them to take their next step to know, follow, and become like Jesus. So some might get to know Jesus for the first time. Some might get to know him more deeply, more intimately, and then we want people to follow. Not just a few of the things, but everything in the Word of God, that they will put their lives in a sense of training that they will learn. And here's the, the kicker at the end of it, whole thing, that we might become like Jesus. That within that process of knowing him and following him, the very character of God will be formed in us. You see, our purpose as a, as a church is to help you move through that, is to help you even consider right now this morning, what is that next step in specifically developing a character that is generous? And what does that look like? Well, one of the first things I, I want you to hear is that Jesus, he modeled this, he taught it, he encouraged it. You see in so many of his teachings, so often he will teach something, and at the end of it, it's really kind of interesting, he, he moves to a place of generosity. He moves to a teaching about being gracious and, and giving. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, and I'm going to give it to you in the message, and so you're going to go, wow, that's a little different than the New International Version. Remember, this is a paraphrase. But I really like how he paraphrases this. He says, in a word, what I am saying is grow up. 
You're kingdom subjects. Or another way to say this is you're children of the king. So think of that. You're children of the king. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way that God lives toward you. Okay? The way that your dad is, the way that you see his heart, the way you see his character, Jesus is saying your father, the way that he is in his heart, he is one who, who lives generously and graciously towards all people. And that's how he even lives towards you, so do the same. So grow up in your character. So we're going to look at some ways in which you can live generously. And, and the very first one that we, is, is one that I think we need very much in our culture today. Because of what's happening even politically. And, and it's what I call that to live generously, we need to listen generously. It's really critical in a marriage. It's critical in a church. It's critical with your kids. It's critical with your adult parents. Listen generously. In fact... Um, the brother of Jesus, James, he writes in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, uh, some words. He had been probably, uh, you know, if you read the, the Bible, you'll see that James and, and his brothers, the half-brothers of Jesus, at one point kind of went, this Jesus brother has lost it. He's, he's gone off the deep end. But my guess is over the years, and when he saw his life, because he tells us that James became a leader of the church, my guess is that he watched the life of Jesus and he saw modeled in Jesus this generous life and one of the ways he saw this living generously was someone who listened generously. And so he gives these instructions. And it's like communication 101. Um, it, it, it's, it's a primer. And this verse that we're going to read is one that's really good to memorize. It might be one to just kind of print out and put in your mirror, on your mirror or to put at your, you know, um, in your car to look at from time to time, not when you're driving, um, uh, to put in your office, cubicle, or wherever it may be. It is this. Brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I mean, honestly, if you apply those things, it's amazing what will happen in a relationship. If you're just generous in your ability to listen. So I want you to consider what a generous listener is and, and to ask some series of questions because these questions, I think, will help tease out whether you really are or not. And the very first thing I'd ask you, if you are living generously, then you're listening generously and you're following these verses, the first question is, are you quick to defend yourself? Think about that for a second. Are you quick to defend yourself? Do you, do you quit listening at a certain point and, and start defending? That tendency to interrupt, right? Anybody done that before? Um, some of you are really good listeners. I get that. And some of you are really just, you know, just really quiet. You never interrupt, but in your mind, you're interrupting them all the time, right? You just don't say it out loud. He, he, he says, um, recognize the fact that, that we are all kind of people because of wounds or because of our wanting to be right or what we think we need, we'll start to build our case. And so what happens is sometimes when someone touches a wound, we become defensive and we start to explain and we move into this place and, and they're saying something and you want to interrupt them. And James says, quick to listen, slow to speak, even in your mind, slow to anger, that responsiveness when especially a wound is touched. Um, I can give you all kinds of examples of this, and, and sometimes when you can get a lot of examples, it may mean that you have a problem with this. But here's the really good thing. If you come up with some examples of being defensive, the other side of it is you've probably got some awareness. 
And awareness is one of the first steps towards real change if you're willing to do the hard work of, of catching yourself and then being aware of it and then having other people help you with that and see it when you do it. So this last Monday, we're having a staff meeting. We're having so much fun and we're laughing and there's kind of this ripple of laughter in the room and we're going around sharing things. And at one point, someone shares something and, and I have to share with you, what I have in my journal is a little thing where it says, um, it, it basically says, I am dead to defensiveness because I chose at a time I'm going to work on this and I know in Christ that when you die to yourself that there's a new life that arises and I want to live in this new life and I want this dead one dead and, and, I, and I, I put down there dead to defensiveness don't talk ask tell me more and when done say thank you for sharing okay some of you are smiling because you probably may relate to this well I broke all three rules they're going along and someone shares, they share some kind of thing and it hits a wound and my response is right away and I interrupted and I didn't say, um, tell me more. I didn't even at the end say, thank you for sharing this. Because generous listening is one that goes, you know what, it's not my, I, don't, I, I need to learn and understand that defensiveness gets in the way of really truly understanding Another question I ask you is, are you quick to judge? If you remember to live generously, you have to listen generously, which does not mean just so you're quick to defend, but you're quick to judge. In your mind, again, it says, it says, be quick to listen. Turn right away to listen. Be real generous about that, but here's, be stingy on this. Be stingy on your talking to yourself. Be stingy on your getting angry while you're listening. Be stingy on these things. So do you quit your, you know, listening and you begin to judge? Anybody, anybody in that place where you start to go, yeah, well... You think I have an issue? Let me think about your issue, right? Oh, come on. I know that you do this. (laughs) Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Jesus says, first take the plank out of your eye before you try and grab a bit of sawdust from the eye of the other person. You see, when you start to judge, when you start to get defensive, all those things cut down this generous gift of the character of the heart where you begin to listen Another is, do you attach an outcome? When you're in that kind of situation, let's say you're in a, uh, you know, one of those difficult, we don't call them arguments with our kids, we used to call them discussions, you know, right? You know, m- mom and dad just having a discussion, it's not, you know. When you're in one of those discussions and you're in that kind of place, do you, do you, do you come into the situation with an out- outcome that you want? And what happens when you have this outcome is you end up beginning to manipulate everything because you're trying to get it to either this point of you want it to either win or you want to be right. Or, or how is it, how many ever tried to fix someone? You know, if I, could just, if I can just get them fixed. Right? And so you had to go through this whole thing. And so one of the things is, is when, you, when you ask that question, do you have an outcome? What I found just, um, this is like share Kevin's stories today, okay? This is going to be kind of like, you know, get a glimpse into my life. Uh, my wife and I celebrated... Um, uh, a Valentine's Day on Friday, not the Tuesday. And so we, we set up some things, and I won't go through the whole story, but all I know is that we got to a point where we kind of were, had some differences, and we were trying to figure out, we were beginning to just really kind of figure out, not to get to our outcome, but I, we worked that process of really trying to hear each other's need. And we could have all held to our outcome, but through that process, we gave that ability where we, we, we came to the place that, that winning or getting what we want or whatever it was wasn't as important as staying connected. Right? And what was really interesting to me is when we stayed connected and heard each other's needs, did you know there were about four or five ways we could have met each other's needs and been really happy? So do you listen generously? 
Do you shut down? That's another thing some people do. Is in the midst of it, you start going, oh boy, it's getting heated and start building that wall. Anybody do that? You know, you start building the wall, you freeze up and you kind of pull out. And the other person, and usually if that happens, how many, like, can I be bold enough to ask how many are wall builders here? Okay, a few of you are aware of that. And you start building that wall. Let me ask the other, how many of your spouses or the person you're sitting with? <laughs> no. Um, what happens is you start building that wall, you kind of shut down. The Word of God says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Do, it doesn't say do not speak. And what happens is you start building that wall, and the other person is trying to tear down the wall. Sometimes they'll actually try to hurt you, which is never fair, so they're hurting the person. But sometimes they try to hurt you just because they're, they're maybe hurt themselves, or sometimes they try to hurt you just to get a reaction. And what you need to understand is when you start breaking down that wall... It's helpful sometimes if you're on the other side of the wall and you're kind of shutting up and freezing up is that person sometimes out of their need or their wound is coming after you merely because they feel abandoned. And if you can get to the place where you understand we have some needs underneath all this, we need to connect and we need to listen generously to one another. So, living generously One thing I just want to share with you is listening generously and learning to do that and recognizing far more important than your outcome or shutting down to protect yourself or defending yourself or whatever it may be is the the goal of being connected in understanding. In that place of understanding and love, you can, can move into different alternatives. Another thing is that I want just to think about when we talk about live generously is to love generously. And that's a broad category, so I'll break it down into just two things that I I would love for us to think about. And I'm going to use these questions again to kind of tease this out. The question I want you to think about when loving generously is, are you willing to be inconvenienced? Now, Jesus, in chapter 14 of Luke, 7 through 11, tells a very interesting story. It's about a story the way that some of us can live. Some of us, in our living, can get wrapped up in self-absorption and self-need and what we want. And when you do that, you can grab things that maybe you shouldn't be grabbing. And you don't think about other people in the midst of that. And so he tells a very interesting story. And, and, and I think it probably hurts a little bit, because you might be able to put yourself in this. He went on to tell a story to the guests around the table, noticing how each tried to elbow into the place of honor. You ever seen that? You know, I'm going to get near the front. I want to get... It's all about my getting to the front. And, and he said, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. Then he'll come and call out in front of everybody, you're in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this man back here. And, 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 and he says that... Transition starts to take place, and red-faced, you'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. And when you're invited to dinner, Jesus says, go and sit in the last place. And then when the host comes up, he will say, wow, friend, come up here to the front. You'll be the guy being called to the front. And that will give the dinner guest something to talk about. Wow, can you believe it? Yes, yes. I didn't know he was that important. What I'm saying is... If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. The NIV talks about the fact that if you're trying to grab things for yourself, you're going to find that you're going to have it grabbed away. But if you actually allow for God to place in your hands the thing that he's placed in your hand, you're going to find often he will begin to give you, maybe not what you're grabbing for, but what you need in your heart. And I want you to notice, this is not some kind of technique to get ahead. 
You know, if I sit in the back, then God will cause me to... You may just sit in the back. It's the whole idea is how do you put others first and how do you let God take care of you? And are you even willing to suffer or be inconvenienced for the sake of someone else? Well, I've told you um, about Airport Kev. Anybody remember? I've, some of you know about Airport Kev. And it's a, it's a wonderful name that my kids coined for me when, I was in, when they were in middle school because when I get into airport, something happens. Something changes in me. I mean, it's all about me. It's all about getting first in line. It's all about getting the right seat. It's all about, it's all about Kev. And so it's this kind of person who's a little bit out of control, so they called him Airport Kev. Now, I don't want you to think bad of me because some of you have your own airport kevs you know some of you come home and it's been a hard day and you go just this is my time you leave me alone don't just you know what i don't know where it is in your life but we all have these kind of times where where sometimes our own stuff comes out now now i i I understand there are some codependent caretakers that that never happens to you so i'm not i'm encouraging you to kind of put your needs out there a little bit you need to be a little more courageous with what's going on you might be living with someone who's always being like airport kevin and i'm not talking about that i'm talking about those signs in your life where you kind of realize i need to really rein this in and get attention pay attention to what's going on because as jesus said it's not about grabbing and getting so airport kev had the opportunity to be tested this week when i was flying and I, I, you know, I've been working on this message. I knew, you know, I'm going to really get this down here and, uh, and, and make sure that, um, that, that that guy's in control. Unbelievable. You have to understand the momentum of this starts taking place long ahead of time. You know, it's, it starts before you ever even get to the airlines. It starts when you buy your ticket to get the right seat because you want the aisle seat, at least for me. And, and then you want the seat where you can put your stuff underneath it because... Even if you're sitting in coach, I don't even like to be moved up to this comfort area where they give you a basket of food and a movie because I'm not about entertainment. I'm about getting work done. I like, you know, serve me something to drink and I want to work. Well, so I get onto the plane, everything, you know, I get there and I get my seat. It's right where I like it. You know, here's a seat here and then roll over here. There's nothing in front of it. And I'm kind of going glad I'm not in that one because, you know, now I can put my stuff down here and I can work. And I just get sat in place and all of a sudden... I hear a voice, and someone taps me on the shoulder and goes, um, um, sir, would you mind changing seats with me? I'm going, do you have any idea? And I said, this is the truth. And you know what's really funny is, I, when I talk about living generously, you will walk out of here, you'll have plenty of opportunities to learn how to listen generously, learn how to love generously, learn how to be inconvenient. So I'm thinking to myself, my first initial response is, she goes, would you mind changing seats? I want to sit with my husband who's sitting next to me. And my first response is, yeah, yeah, okay. And then I look up to the seat she's given me. And it's the one in the middle. And, you know, if you're really tall and got long legs, you like that. But I wanted the stuff so I could have it right here. I can get to it whenever I want to. And I hesitated. And it was this horrible feeling coming over me. Like, you can't even be inconvenienced a little bit? What does it mean for you? realistically, to live generously, to come across those times when God kind of spoke to you on the shoulder and said, you know what, I'd really like you through another person or whatever to do this. What does it look for you to be inconvenienced? What does it look like in your life? Living generously and loving generously means being willing to be inconvenienced 
It's considering others' needs as more important than your own. Paul says about that if you read Philippians chapter 2. Will you choose to love someone who's tough to love? That's another way of loving generously. Jesus says, be generous with your love, especially to those who are hard to love. Think for a second. You're going to walk out of here. Is there someone in your life who on a regular basis you come across them and they're hard to love? Anybody? Can I get that? I want you to remember again what we said last week. Your mission field is out there. That's the person God is saying, I want you to learn to love with generosity. Matthew chapter 5, 43 through 48. Again, reading from the message, it says, You're familiar with the old written law, says Jesus. Love your, old, love your friend and its unwritten companion. Hate your enemy. Well, I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring, listen to this, let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Think about that person again. Can you start saying, God, not only um, this whole thing of inconvenience, but how do I love someone who's tough? Am I willing to bring out the best of my character and allow you to form that? Can I love generously? When someone gives you a hard time, says Jesus, respond with the energies of prayer. Now, just think about it. So next time he gives you a hard time, say, excuse me a second, I want to pray for you. No, don't do that. Um, He says, respond with the energy of prayer. What he's saying is, take it to God and say, God, you know what? This is tough. I need you. In fact, what's happening right now, when when this is pushing against me and it's really tough, I see my limits. I see myself really clearly. So God, I really need you because guess what? You found me tough to love. So how am I going to allow you to flow through me? For this then... When you turn to prayer, you are working out your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and bad, the nice and nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you really expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. But we're about being followers of Jesus. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect the medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. And then he concludes with these thoughts. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I love the way the Amplified says this. You, therefore, will be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life, as your heavenly Father is perfect or mature. Jesus is saying, grow up, become like that. Live generously. Love others graciously. Be kind and and considerate and go the extra mile the way God loves you. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is give generously. And there's just a few things in in giving that I'd love to just bring out. And and, and a couple of them are not about money so much as it can involve money. So to live generously means to listen generously, means to love generously, and it also means then to give generously. It means that we are to give something. And so the first thing that I want you to look at is Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. You can write that down. It's a good verse to look at. I'm not going to go through this now. But the point is this. Do you give to those who can't give back? That's one of the ways to give generously. What does it mean to help someone that you're not going to get anything back from them? We have a number of local ministries where I'm just so proud of where people actually do this. There are people who go to Mobile Hope and there are volunteers who will weekly work with children. They'll help them with English, they'll help them with their homework. They're not getting paid for that. 
Hammers of Hope, another great ministry where, where we have people who will give up a Friday night and a Saturday and they'll actually use their building skills and those kind of skills to, to help others. And if you're a person who would like to help, they do it every once in a while. When they do those things, you can sign up just by calling the church. But they help widows and single parents. They'll help those who are in need or in crisis. It's amazing because they're not getting paid for that. They're not getting anything back. Safe homes and other ministry. There's just places you can get involved. I guess the question I'm asking is there someone or some ministry or a way that God might be saying, and you're not in this and you're not in the game here, but he's saying, I want you to think about this. Is there a way to invest your time, your gifts, your knowledge? Are you, are you in a place where maybe you are being challenged to give generously with your abilities, knowing that you're not going to get paid back until someday when you stand with Jesus? And you receive your reward. Another is, do you give freely because you've been given to freely? Matthew 10.8 is just a simple little verse, but it's built on some things that Jesus said. It says, give as freely as you've received. But when Jesus says that, he's giving instructions to his, his 12 disciples. He's sending them out, and he's, he's sending them on their way, and he's telling them what they should do. But at one point, he basically says to them, you guys, live generously and give generously. Do you know I've been with you for a period of time, and, and I've been giving to you. So as I've given to you, do the same to others. In fact, you have a father who gives to you. So it's been all free. It, God's been pouring into your life. So the, the response is that you let that flow through you. And so he says in, in that verse, give as freely as you have received. You have been treated generously, so treat others generously. God has touched you through someone's generosity. Someone's freely invested time in you. Someone's freely probably modeled tough love, maybe. Maybe someone has visited you while you were sick, or someone has taken an interest in you and helped you grow and develop, or someone has watched your kids, maybe on a date night when you were younger, and you could do the same for someone else, or someone has in some way told you about Jesus, or maybe they invited you to a Bible study one time when you were just at that place wondering about it, and it just seemed like, oh, that's a coincidence. Where is God saying you have been freely given to in your life? Think about it. How many people, if you were to just kind of count your hand, just think about people who have influenced your life and they did it freely, not expecting anything in return. And Jesus is the life that lives generously is also the one that gives generously because they realize they've been given to generously. And the last thing I want to share with you is will you give to God joyfully? Here's the little money thing that I want to really encourage you to think about. When we talk about money and you think about the church, we often, you know, people kind of go, well, there it is about money. That's all they ever want. Um, The reason we talk about giving is because something happens in your character. Yes, the gifts you give, we, as best we can, use those in a way to communicate back what we want to do in touching people's lives and caring for kids as they're growing up so they know Christ and, and, and caring for our elder. There's all kinds of places. But Paul at one point says this as he's talking about this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each person should give what they've decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He basically is saying, I would love to check your attitude because your attitude betrays how you think about giving. Most of us 
get into this mindset. It's very easy to do it. Where giving is some kind of debt we owe or some kind of, it isn't. What Paul says, it's like a sow, it's like sowing seed. And that seed in an agricultural community, they knew that little seed would burst into all kinds of other fruit that have all kinds of other seeds and it would just multiply. And what he says is, you're giving. When you give, isn't some debt that you owe to God. It's an opportunity for you to be blessed. It's an opportunity for you not to kind of like owe something like, we think of taxes, I owe the government or the church. No, it's an opportunity to sow a seed which can be reproduced in many ways that really makes a difference in people's lives. And so he says, look at it as an investment. And we all know investments. Any planted a, a, a tomato seed or plants? How many are giving tomatoes out near the end of the year, right? They just take off. It's an investment that brings increase and it will bring blessing in your life. And I'm not talking about financial blessing necessarily, although God really works in people's finances when they turn it over to him. But he talks about that. And I just want to encourage you to think about living, living generously is also giving generously. It's saying, God, you have given to me freely. You've given me the ability to make what I make. And so, God, I'm going to, in responsibility, back to you, say, God, I want to give a portion of what you've given me. And I encourage you, challenge you to think about that. Now, I've asked Mike Murray to come up because we're at a point about a a year ago we did this Grow and Gather campaign, and that's when we talked about generosity, and and you have been so generous, and so we are just grateful, and I thought I'd have Mike share a little bit. Mike is our executive pastor starting last July, came out of General Mills, um, and he's learning things here, so tell us a little bit about the job. Yeah, um, before we go there, yeah, I love the airport Kevin thing. Oh, yeah, it's right. It's really cool. But what I wasn't clear on, did you actually give up your seat? Of course not. No, I'm just oh. kidding. No. <laughs> just checking. No, I did. I did. Okay, good to hear. Um, a couple of, couple of neat things, as Kevin mentioned, observations maybe from my standpoint. Um, one of the things that I knew happened here but didn't know quite to the extent is the amount that you as volunteers and congregants um, put into other people's lives uh, through whether it's Sunday school or whether it's just volunteering and, and doing the daily operation around here. It's much greater than I had anticipated. That's the first thing. Second thing really has to do with, um, you know, when, when I was at a meeting at General Mills, I, we didn't pray before the meeting, right? <laughs> So I might have said one under my breath, depending on the type of meeting we were going to, but uh, we didn't pray out loud. So as we're interviewing high school uh, pastor candidates, you know, I just dive right in and start the meeting. And and Bruce, our middle school pastor, says, "Um, do you think we should pray beforehand? It's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. We probably should. We're teaching them a few things. But anyway. used to that. And um, anyway, let's keep going. Tell us a little bit about some of the blessings and things that have happened as a result of since this last a uh, year ago when we stood up and, and started this campaign. So as we've talked about uh, the building, one of the things that is very apparent is that people are really using their gifts during this process, um, whether it's on the building committee, whether it's on the finance group, whether it's on the uh, design and use committee. So people are really doing that. And it kind of has a unifying effect. When we, when we see that we can use this building to reach our community, reach the lost in the community, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. So... Um, before you tell us where we're at and the results of that, I just want to make clear, because some weren't here when we did this, and it was 
uh, we're going to have a table in back and some things that if you want to look at it, if you want to be a part of it, it shows what's going to be happening. We have this multi-use building that we're building out here, and then we're renovating um, the sanctuary itself. So tell us where we're at in those numbers. Sure. Right I think now. there's some uh, numbers slide, Sarah. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so we almost have 200 families that have um, either given or committed to give during this process. It's a three-year. We've asked for a three-year commitment. Um, you know, God has blessed us through you with almost half of the giving already in the first nine or ten months. Yeah. So, you know, what a, what a blessing. Um, but the project is $3.5 million. Right now we're at about $2.4. You've committed to $2.4 million, so that leaves, I don't know, $1.1 million that we will have to finance. So I would say if you are, you know, if you're waiting and to see if the hole was dug out here, and it will be, by the way, in April. So if you've waited until the hole is dug, or if you're new, um, or if you just aren't sure how you want to participate, I'd ask that you continue to pray about it. And, um, you know, everything that's given now will reduce the amount that we have to, uh, we have to finance. So tell us, um, where are we at right now in the timing of all this? Uh, it looks like, and... This is a construction project, right? So it's the best guess at this point, Um, although we try to make it better than that. Um, Right now, it looks like April, they'll start digging for the uh, multi-use room. Probably be done sometime in October. And then the uh, sanctuary, I think we're going to start maybe behind the scenes here pretty soon. But um, sanctuary will be summer. Okay, Now, I know that's pretty vague, but I would say sometime starting probably in May or June. Yeah. Um, the one, if you could put the next slide up, one after that. Uh, one thing, one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk about this is that, um, in fact, I'll ask, how many people, by show of hands, how many people have actually done a home remodel project at some point in their lives? Okay, wow, it's more than the first. So probably, I would say, two-thirds of you have gone through this process. And um, the reason I'm saying that is you know how... Uh, tough it can be, and you know how fun it can be. So what I'm asking is that, uh, you know, services may be inconvenienced. We may be doing things differently for a while. Maybe we'll meet outside. Maybe we'll go to the park. Maybe we'll meet in Fellowship Hall. Who knows? Uh, But it will look different. And so let's take a, um, you mentioned, um, I wrote this down while you were, being inconvenienced, right? There may be a little of that. And so I just ask if you, you know, do it with a smile on your face and we'll have some fun at the same time. Yeah, so you get to practice loving generously by being inconvenienced. We're excited about that. So, uh, you know, start practicing that joy, smile thing right now. Yeah, we're we're excited about that. That's going to be happening here real soon. Do you want to give us some key takeaways? Yes, takeaways. Construction will start in April. And so we'll have an opportunity probably to pray for that building. We'll pray for the construction workers. We'll do all sorts of stuff around that. Um, if you're not sure, you know, how you want to participate, I'd ask that you continue to pray about it. And there will be uh, some folks outside after the building or after the um, service if you want to uh, learn more about it or hear more about it. Or if you haven't heard, um, we'll talk to you out there. And then uh, lastly, there will be some inconvenient times. So bear with us. We'll have fun. Yeah, and I should say in a few weeks, we're going to kind of just... Every once in a while, just do some updates. But in a few weeks or so, maybe three, four weeks, we're going to have uh, some things you can see of what like the seats might be like. And then we'll have the design team back there who's been working hard to share kind of what's happening in here. Uh, so you can see that as well. So let's stand together and close this time in, in this song of worship.